Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in an unprecedented, unprecedented, unprecedented time where your individual liberties are being handed over in the name of a government safety net or for the common good. You're tired of being told what you're allowed to say, how to live your life, or how to raise your kids. And so are we. We are the Break the Bell Podcast, and we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon. Join us weekly as we invade your ear holes with all the insanity that's going on in the world and expose the corrupt system that is hell-bent on keeping the power from you. You can check out Break the Bell every Monday night, streaming live on YouTube, or listen wherever you can find podcasts. Check out Break the Bell, and most importantly, never stop talking. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. I com- I completely hit the wrong link or uh the wrong button. It was like, oh shit, I'm not in the link or I'm not in the stream anymore. And then I was like, okay, how do I get back in the stream? And it was like, uh, there's no link back into the yeah, stream. He was so Justin was the conductor of the Titanic, and he was like, I don't care if I'm sinking this ship. I'm leaving everyone behind. I just they got to sure. figure out where their life raft is. I just make sure that the magic that we made did get saved because I get really, really freaked out when I'm leaving a stream room. So that's definitely saved, right? That's like a thing. Oh, the like the original. We got to contact. Yeah, magic, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, okay, uh, good. I've got that queued up to complete downloading after we get done with this conversation. Fuck yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. It's the original three-hour episode. Is yeah. yeah. Is uh, that's good. Yeah. That, dude, I, I'm not gonna lie. Prof Miguel. Sorry. Last week when we went two hours, I was like, how did we milk this much conversation out of whatever topic it it was? The and awesome now it's thing like, about it was like at the end of it, it didn't feel like we had been talking for that long. Like no. and well, that's how this is like, like this is like five content. hours in. I'm like, I don't know, man. Put some speed bumps in. Give me give me something to think about. See, and I'm one like, and a half like, McCallans in, and I don't have any tolerance whatsoever <laughs> because I just, I'm, yeah, I'm a woman. Because you're 5'8 in this big <laughs> realm. Like, Back yeah, to the 19th much. Amendment. She can't hold her liquor. Yeah. Well, if it's I like showed drunk you. Drunk women voting. It can't happen. Yeah. If I showed you what was like in this area on my table right now, which is miraculously somehow not on camera. Maybe it is. My name is blocking it out. Just I got, show like, the one, nine empty beer cans uh, well i gotta move the shit all right fuck it this is just like that's really cool uh, there's more there's more but there's wires there's a lot of scissors yeah well you know <laughs> never know when you're gonna need them so justin you were telling me about krav maga what what were you gonna say about krav maga okay remember? so when i was in college so remember, we had talked about how uh, at the end of the first semester of my freshman year, I had this, the second highest GPA in our dorm with mm-hmm. a whopping 1.7. Um, so I also worked for the women's basketball team at Mississippi State, which meant that I had to have a minimum 3.0 GPA to maintain my scholarship. Now, you were allowed a, a semester of grace period to get it back up. So 1.7, obviously, if I maintain this level, I don't get to keep my scholarship. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I took a karate class because it seemed like easy credits, easy A. The problem that I had with karate is 
I'm six five. Yeah. And the only person in the class who was tall enough for me to spar with was on the football team. He oh my was gosh. a linebacker on the football team. Oh my team. god. So he's about and you're super lean. So that's yes, yeah. I'm I'm six five <laughs> and currently I weigh two hundred pounds. When I was in college, I weighed about one seventy five. Okay. So I'm having to spar with a collegiate, like an, an a Division One NCAA football player, uh, linebacker, who's about 6'3", 225. Uh, wow. and, and he is like solid everything. Mm-hmm. I got punched in the chest a lot. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, like we do the sparring and you're supposed to block and stuff, but it, he outweighs me by 50 or 60 pounds. And he is just solid. Like, like NFL, a rock. Right. He's solid NFL linebacker caliber type human being. And I'm 175 pounds soaking wet, like, you know, mm-hmm. spot shooter on the basketball team type. Um, so I'm getting punched in the chest. Pretty regularly. All right, let's pick up there. So <laughs> you're, getting, the you're getting punched in the chest, and then you reevaluate life. Did you get an A? And, and it was like it was really cool because, or it was really nice of him because he was on the football team, and I worked for the basketball team, so we were both at the gym pretty much every day, and in the training office pretty much every day, and like we were around each other outside of karate class. And so, like, he would feel really bad when he would punch me, like, really hard in the chest and could could, could see the, like, the breath physically leaving uh, my body as I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, uh, he, he was always super nice about it. And then the one time. All right. So this is, like, even more fucked up. The one time that the coach or that the uh, our sensei, like, paired us up randomly and somehow i got paired up with this like five foot two 90 pound female also not great (laughs) she scratched me across the like i still have a scar 20 fucking years later because that's what we have to resort to okay when there's nothing else at your disposal you use the coke nail it's just a (laughs) okay that's that's how I get out of all my tough situations in life. I still have a fucking scar 20 years later. Jim's <laughs> like, I've never seen this side of Amanda before. I'm like, well, you have one of two options. So, and like, what was really cool about karate was like the first week of class, the our sensei had us like do a bunch of running. And mm-hmm. I run 5Ks, I ran the one and two mile and the 100 and 300 uh, kilometer hurdles in when I was in high school. Plus I, I was a basketball player, football player, baseball player. Jeez, uh, humble brag. So I, I played a little bit of everything. Play hockey? We didn't have hockey. Uh, too far south. Here's the thing. I'm from Georgia. I played lake hockey. That shit's fun as fuck. Way more <laughs> fun hockey. than uh, street hockey because there's no like – Car. Lame. Yeah. Come on. We don't have hockey in Kentucky. It's just no. My my weak little southern ankles were like, <laughs> oh shit! What the fuck is this? 
uh, well, all the uh, all the lake residents were like, it was seriously like the Mighty Ducks movie. It was like just like, you know, I'm over there like, I was the goalie. I couldn't. I was the goalie too. So like the carry on, Justin. I played goalie in intramural soccer when I was in college. That ended up with me spending a week in the hospital with a collapsed lung. Oh, dude. <laughs> That's not fun. That's not fun. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but like, get some get some protective gear. <laughs> okay, so the ball was rolling out, and I run up and like just dive on it to oh, as this guy was coming oh. up to strike. So I dive on the ball as he comes up to strike. So I get the ball, and he gets my ribs. And... uh like, so I, I, I saved us a goal. Yay for me. <laughs> I go over the sidelines. I'm like, I just got to catch my breath. Like, I, I just can't breathe. It just let me, let me lay down for a second. And catch Breathing is temporary. Victory is forever. Get over it. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, so I, I'm like, just let me, just let me lay down and catch my breath. I'll be good. Yeah. And I, I like, I never could catch my breath. And finally, one of the guys uh, on our team, or it was a, you know, intramural fraternity mm-hmm. soccer team. Uh, one of the guys who was like uh, in the nursing program or some dumb shit. He's like, the fact that you haven't been able to catch your breath yet is probably not a good sign. You should yeah. probably go to the emergency room. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. I've just got like broken ribs or something. Like they're not going to be able to do anything for me at the emergency room. I get so to the you- emergency room. And they do x-rays and shit. And they're like, all right, so we got good news and bad news. They're like, which mm-hmm. do you want first? Good news like, is you're not dead. Yeah. Bad news is you owe you us $37,000. Effectively. Yeah. I was like, I don't give a shit. Just tell me what's going on. He's like, okay, so well, the good news is you don't have broken ribs. I'm like, okay, so why the fuck can't I catch my breath? He's like, the bad news is you have a collapsed lung. He's like, so we're going to have to put this uh, chest tube in and do all this bullshit, and you're going to have to stay here for a few days while we reinflate your lung. And I go, God damn it. I should have just gone home. This is some fucking bullshit. I don't even <laughs> like this sport. <laughs> and he, he goes, he goes, no, if you had gone home, you would have died overnight because your lung would have filled with fluid and you'd have drowned in your own blood. I was like, well... Still sounds better than being stuck in a hospital for three days. Like, <laughs> are you really so doing this? Fucking boring. They're so yeah. boring. The most, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, they stuck a chest tube in, and the chest tube was actually all right. Like they took this, like, uh, like this metal rod, and like rammed it in. I was going to say, do you, have a, do you have a scar on the side of your? Look at there. There we go. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. So, so so anyway, they you know stick the chest tube in and and uh, it sucks the all the blood out. It's fucking gross. But... I don't do I don't do needles. Uh, yeah. So the IV, my my girlfriend at the time and my mom and my mom's best friend who worked at the hospital, all three of them were like laying on top of me, holding me down while while the nurse stuck the <laughs> no, IV. No, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want I, it. Yeah, I, I don't. And it's like well. You got quite a bit of energy for a collapsed lung dip. Wait, how oh, yeah. is the needle worse than the tube? That's the that's the thing that it's icky. Well, I know they're both icky, but the the, the tube would be considerably more painful. When, trying to find when you're coming like, at me with okay. a hammer and a chisel, so like, I can respect the tube that. is like they took like, this hey, and still. they just like went whap and they yeah. stuck it in there. Okay, whatever. And then they ran the tube in. 
But the well, needle, first of all, when you're in the hospital, I, I don't do when, needles. When you're in the I have hospital, tattoos, and I didn't look yeah. at any of the tattoos that I have when they did it because I don't do needles. Like that's well. Here's the thing, Justin. I'm going to run some cover for you. When you're in the hospital and you're under some serious trauma, you are so you're you're tripping balls. Your your body's already given you like so many chemicals. You're like whoa. Where when they shove a fucking eighth inch fucking tube through your ribs, you're like hey. How are you doing? But if you can see them coming at you with a needle, you're like, I remember that. Not a fan. Get a, and then it 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 creates see, see, there's a, a lot reaction to that. from you. There's a lot to that because he pulls out this like like you know, this mm-hmm. rod. And he's like, All right, I'm gonna stick this between your ribs. And I'm like, What? Sweet fucking and then go it's like, for it. And it goes in. And it's like, oh, that didn't feel real good. But it's done. Whereas, like, with the needle, like they have this little needle, and they're like, yeah, and it's in there, running it into a vein, and, and like, just... and I can see them doing yeah. it. it. Like, no, like I'm not a fan of needles, for example. Um, oh, but when oh, I had to go I have get a really hooked up, story. when I had to go get hooked up with uh, like an IV for a few hours, when I was, you know coming down with the coof uh to get the monoclonal antibody treatment um i was just like here's my fucking arm yeah you find it you stick it you do it i'll deal with it but it doesn't mean i have to fucking watch and so i I was just like here it is and by the way i feel pretty fucking good at where my veins are like you should be able to find them with ease and so i was just like here you go and i was like Ah, cool. You got crown molding and this yeah. boom. And I was like, oh, cool. It's done. And because same idea, I didn't want to, I, I wasn't like, I need to see it go in. No. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, no, I know that this, but the difference All right, is so... now is like the, the needles they use aren't even needles. They're plastic, hollow, fucking like flexible tubes. No, they're little butterfly needles. That's yeah. even worse. Little butterfly needles. Not what I got. They were, no, they okay. were. They were plastic, but they were they they would flex, so they wouldn't. They didn't have to. Oh, <laughs> oh, those guys. Yeah, yeah. So you're not talking about the actual needle itself. You're talking about the the tube to which it's attached. The fluids go through. Yeah, but even yeah. what it went in my arm when they pulled okay. it out, it was like all like biodegradable, like plastic shit or whatever. To where it was like, oh, dude, you don't even really have to have your arm fully out. You can just like relax it because yeah. the shit will curve. And no, like, sir, you were making me feel really stabby. <laughs> really, really stabby. Got to get a little pokey up in here. I will say that the, the, the problem, <laughs> the the problem with 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 IV is is the fact that they just remain in there, and so you know if you you know you just kind of look over, ah, that's yeah, it, it makes that's, you a little squeaky. When they put the when they put the IV in, they kept uh, blankets and stuff over my arm so I couldn't see it because like mm-hmm. if I if I could see it, I, I was yeah. freaking the fuck out. My 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 dentist office. They have very explicit instructions that I do not do Novocaine. Period. Yeah. Like you do not give me the shot. They had a new chick at the, my old dentist, and she didn't look at the notes. Ooh, bitch, don't read. And so so she had me laid back in the chair, and she's like, "Okay, open your mouth." And she sticks these cotton swabs in, and I'm like, "All right, this isn't 
the way we normally do this, but whatever. I'm going to go with it. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see her coming at me with this needle. And I was out of the chair like that. And I had her by her hand. And like I had her arm holding the needle away from me. I was like, I don't do that. And her eyes got like that big around. You're going to take me out to dinner first, lady. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, okay, okay. I'm really sorry. I, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't know that we don't do that. And I want the 12 ounce. She's like, let me put it away. I'm like, yes, you're going to put it away. That's, this is not happening. (laughs) I saw her at a bar like six years later. Oh no. (laughs) No, you don't want that. You don't want that. (laughs) I saw her at a bar like six years later and she goes, no needle guy. I'm like, I'm glad you remembered. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, you're the, you're the fucker who's afraid of needles. You, you non-masculine you were the one case that they taught me about in uh in med school glad (laughs) i stayed away for that yeah it wasn't like it required a whole lot of effort yeah Yeah. see i'm 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 more of a like i already don't want to be here so therefore whatever the fuck's going to go down i trust and maybe it's also a factor of like where i live i know they see like hundreds of people or thousands of people a year where i'm like I'm just the chances of you like missing or, 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 or fucking your shit up. Like it's your job. And I know you, it's uh, not fun to uh, get your body like and pierced or like poked or prodded. It's, it's never like, dude, I can't wait to like go to the dock and have them like shove shit in me. But I also think at the same time, it's like, this is kind of the thing. that you do and i respect the uh, for the fact that like you know ten thousand hours makes you a an expert on something i'm like but it doesn't uh, always what do you well i would for? i would imagine that they've got at least six thousand hours so it's like we're working on our way to professionalism it, but it, it doesn't always it just uh yeah i mean sometimes sometimes doctors are not great well, um, no, I I totally agree with that, but they're dealing with like zero hours, so I'm yeah. less great, and I'm coming in like, <laughs> fix right, me so, up. So we've we've established my degree is in ag business with a focus on economics, and yeah. and Jim is a degenerate and uh-huh. just kind of runs by the seat of his pants. What what are you going to school? No for? Uh, so I got my. I, I went to USC and I was actually, we discussed this off, uh, off live. Um, I acted. Um, and then my MA humanities at Chicago. And then uh, right now I'm uh, majoring in or getting my PhD in political science. So a lot of useless stuff, um, but a lot of fun stuff. So. She's going to learn us how politics work, Justin. <laughs> So I'm gonna be a doctor, basically. Yeah, I'm gonna be a doctor. She's gonna it's, have a doctorate in bullshit. When... It's the bullshittiest bullshit because my field is political theory, which is yeah. Oh wow. Just the yeah, because that's where the Machiavelli is. Yeah. What are the Trump? So when my like? roommate and I both, my roommate and I both graduated the same year, and I got a job, and he decided to go to grad school. And then two years later, when he graduated grad school with his master's, I was making like 70 grand a year and he couldn't get a job because he was yeah. overqualified with his master's. Like, Yeah. No, I, I, I walked away from, from a very 
well-paying job to to go back to get my PhD. So yeah, I, I knew some I of what of, I was getting into at any rate. I kind of yeah. suspected. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, again, as it's not about the piece of paper for me, um, and it never has been. I I love the I, I love the process, um, for better or worse. So, um, you know, I, I love I love the experience. I love the sense of the academic community. So yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're very much in tune with like the analytical side of deciphering logical arguments in a political realm, which is highly commendable. And I might have even gotten that wrong because I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> but I choose to side on um, or err on the side of. Uh, Wait, what the fuck was that? I think these fucking guys are fucking morons. I'm just going to put out a fucking tweet and call them retards. <laughs> like, See, I don't understand where no degree from needed. Because when I was living in Mississippi, I had tried to get involved with the, uh, the Department of Agriculture through Mississippi mm -hmm. State University to do some research projects in the little town that I was living in. Uh, on there, they had like a soybean farm, effectively. Um and doing oh, a like, bunch of soy boys, eh? Yeah. So doing cross. I'm sorry. Uh, cross I want to mute myself for that. I want to mute oh. myself for that. <laughs> You're telling the story. Uh, so doing like cross genetic breeding between different uh, soybean hybrids and trying to develop really specific breeds that worked for extreme drought and extreme. Uh, like hurricane-like conditions, because mm -hmm. in Mississippi, you get a combination of both. Um, so, like, I tried to get into the program to do that, and I ran into a similar problem that my my buddy that had the, the graduate degree, uh, the master's, was running into. I had too much in-field experience. Oh, interesting. And they wouldn't let me in the program, because because I worked so much in the grain industry with, especially with soybeans and I had trading licenses through the USDA and the Chicago board of trade and stuff like that. I couldn't get into these graduate programs and these like research programs because I was considered too, too qualified in the professional field. Like, yeah, that stuff is so fucking retarded to me. Like ha just, just because I have a, USDA, uh, Chicago Board of Trade trading license, and I have like USDA certifications for grain grading and stuff like that. Like, how does that disqualify me from participating in a, a graduate studies program doing genetic breeding on or, or you know, cross gene breeding on different types of, of soybeans? Like, the, why the am I excluded from that? I, the idea behind sense. it is that so they only have so much funding they only have so many spots and so rightly or wrongly the notion is that you've already been trained so their job is to train new people who are going to be other versions of you but you are you have already been trained so for them it's not going to create you know new researchers by admitting you. And I think that is silly, but I, that's kind of the rationale. Right. Like that is super silly because if yeah. you're looking for somebody who actually knows 
like knows the genetics of soybeans and you want to develop something that is legitimately uh, drought resistant or like high moisture resistant, don't you want somebody that has been in the field that has seen uh, what comes out of that? Like You do, but, but pedagogically, I mean, there, there are pedagogical concerns that they have to you know, adhere to. I've, I've thought, you know, occasionally I've entertained the notion of just, you know, um, continuing to go back for multiple PhDs. But of course, at some at some point, funding kind of either dries out or it's not enough to cover for living expenses. But I, I've totally I've totally considered that. All right. So for the uh, non pedagogical informative souls out there, uh-huh. what the fuck does pedagogical mean? Pedagogical? <laughs> You it's, said it, not me. It, it's an algorithm, your honor. Um, it it means uh, it's it's related to teaching, related to instruction. Ten four, carry yeah. on. That's all for us intellectuals. While we uh, entertain Jim and his, I'm trying to grow yes. my brain, and you know what? It was little before, but it's growing. Jim and his GED. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i i have a different term for it but you know whatever <laughs> i i call it gde for goddamn excellence but you know y'all make y'all make with it what you will this is not going to be releasable <laughs> no it's it's you know what i everything everything we do is content and so that's just okay content word all right, Amanda, were you always kind of... All right, I'm going to preface this with my own kind of backstory. Mm-hmm. I was 100% nerd, mm-hmm. but I was also very athletic. Uh, mm-hmm. Hazard of being 6'5", 170 pounds. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I was... I kind of fit the mold of a jock, but I grew into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a, like, as a kid, I was much more of a nerd. Okay. And so I was completely a nerd all the way through high school, but I so was you were, the... so you were 20% virgin and you ran your way into 67% non virgin. Yeah. Or Chad. Yes. yes. Better, better terminology. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. More or less. Yeah. Like, see, I'm a was... dumb, dumb. I lost virginity early. <laughs> I was a hundred percent a nerd, but I kind of grew into being a jock as well. So, so I got to be a a cool nerd, but at at my, at my roots, I was always kind of a nerd. Uh, Did you have like the awkward growing up as being like smarter than everybody else and knowing that you were smarter than everybody else and trying to like, like for me, I tried to deliberately not be smarter than everybody else because mm-hmm. it just felt weird to make the smart kids look and feel fucking stupid mm-hmm. because they basically were. Like, I grew up in a small town. The valedictorian of our class was effectively a fucking retard. But she was the <laughs> smartest kid in our class as far as, you know, the rest of the class went. So, so, so like... I would deliberately not do shit because I'm not going to be that, that kid. Right. Mm -hmm. Like 
Does that does that make sense? Uh, okay. It may it makes sense, but to answer your question, I uh, did not think that I was smart. Um, for for most of my life, and I'm still not really sure what smart really means. Uh, I know that I I have things that I love, and I'm very passionately curious about them, and I like to ask questions. But no, for for the for the vast majority of my life, um, I I did not uh, believe that I I was smart, and in fact thought that I was probably of a lower intellectual caliber. Um, so you know, for, for me, it was, it, was, it was always trying to prove uh, my intelligence, if only to myself, but then also sort of to flex to other people like you do when you're a kid um, in, in whatever capacity. Uh, See, I find so that I, hard to believe just from, just, just from the conversations that we have tonight. Like, I, I, I can't imagine you not being the smart kid. Mm-hmm. And so, like, like, for me, I would... I would find myself saying things to the smart kids that were extremely derogatory because in my mind, like they were clearly a couple levels below me intellectually. Right. Right. And so like, I would have to stop myself from being mean because they weren't at my level. Uh, Yeah. And like, like, from our conversation and even with Jim, like uh, Jim, Jim is a self-proclaimed dummy, but he's not dumb. Like Jim's he, right. Yeah. No, he's smart. He gets I'm an shit. aspiring midwit. <laughs> he says that, but like he gets shit yeah. that the people that I would think of as intelligent don't, don't get. So, so like the conversation that we're having, like y- y'all have a, an intellectual understanding of the way the world works, the way science works, the way uh, like media and the news report things work that some of the people who we might consider intelligent people that we grew up around, they don't get it. And yeah, and I, I get the, it. Like that's the, the red, that's the red versus blue pill thing. The, the proclamation of information is always something that should be questioned by yeah. any and all curious minds. Yeah. And if so that's that, all it like, takes to sound smart, I, ran up I got a boatload of that shit. Like that's always something that I ran up against as a kid was the things that I knew and saw and understood the ones who were smarter than me didn't pick up on mm-hmm. and didn't see it. And, and I, I'm like, it's it's literally right there in black and white. Like, what are you missing? And what are you missing here? Um, that, so did, it, like, and just from, like I'm saying, just from the conversation that we're having, clearly you probably caught some of that, even if you yeah. may not have considered yourself to be smart. You know, like you may have thought you were striving to get to that level. I would say you probably were at that level and you you were pushing past what those other people were at. Uh, like, how does that kind of like shape your, your worldview? Because I look at some of those people now, you know, 20 years later, I'm like, how have y'all still not caught on? Mm-hmm. How have you still not caught on to the shit that I was talking about literally 20 fucking years ago? Yeah. 
I I think so. I looking back now, I can say I was very hyper vigilant. I was observant. I was probably you would use the word precocious. Um, and the part of the reason for that was that I, I kind of had an upbringing where it just it never made any sense or rather authority was very random and very arbitrary. And so from my earliest days, I knew that someone could be making a rule and that was the rule, but that didn't mean that there was any logic or justification or rightness behind it. And so my job was always to figure out whether the rule made sense. And if it didn't make a rule of my own and then try to not get caught breaking the rule. Um, and so that, I mean, that, that's still my worldview. <laughs> I, I don't think I've really ever grown out of that. Um, you know, I, in that regard, I do think I had a, a fundamentally different experience than some others uh, who didn't really have that innate skepticism of authority um, or rather that innate uh, kind of uh, almost atheism toward authority, if that makes sense. Like In inquisitive yeah. nature. Regardless I say, I'm trying to look at Jim's force. face and see if I can get a yeah. read on it. Cause like my dad was uh, to some extent, whether it was jokingly or seriously, he was a kind of a conspiracy theorist type. Mm -hmm. Like when the, the Mel Gibson movie conspiracy theory came out, and we watched that movie. Then my dad is like, oh, come here and look at these books that I've got. And like all this other stuff that like kind of ties into the stuff that's in that movie. And so, so like the questioning of authority is kind of something that you're kind of getting at. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to gauge Jim's face and see if that was something that was kind of uh, a part of his upbringing as well. Because he, he, he has a little bit of a hinting of it, but I, I'm mm -hmm. not sure how. I, uh, I grew up I grew up under a basis of authority the 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 male fig the, the male figures in my life were the established or let, let me see how I can say this uh the dudes I looked up to when I was a child were the male figures of authority for not only me but for the general public because I grew up in a law enforcement household uh, whether it be local, state, or federal level. Um, and so for me, it was just an immediate sense of like fear of, of trying or trying to do the right thing while avoiding the negative backlash. Mm -hmm. uh, because I knew that they were more than capable, willing, and ready to make a correction when, um, when a correction was needed. And so when little Jimmy got out of line. Yeah. Which happened all the fucking time, believe it or not. Um, but at the same time, as I grew older and I learned more about uh, like my father and, and others that were in that role, I was like, y'all were far more blatant with your disregard for authority and reason and structure 
than I was ever led to believe that this is the way that in, in which I should live to avoid uh, reprimand. Um, and that's when I decided to uh, agree to the fact that most of this was bullshit. Once I learned that my real dad was a police officer who engaged in street racing, uh, yeah. it made it difficult for me to listen to him tell me that laws were important. Once I learned that my stepdad, who was a federal agent, um, used to use his pilot license to fly uh, personal planes in illegal manners over bodies of water in uh, North America... I'll just leave it at that. I was like, I don't think this is something that I should really be that fearful of as far as the reprimand based on your actions versus your virtue. Um, not to say anything about them, because the way that I always saw it was that you're only alive once, live to the fullest, and it's not me to be the judge of, you know, your hypocrisy or whatever you want to call it. I don't see them as hip hypocrites. I see them as guys that made the most out of whatever tools they had at their disposal. Yeah. And I yeah. fucking respect them for it. Um, but once that became clear, I realized that I didn't need to be the virtuous asshole that I was striving to be. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. While at the same time, understanding and respecting the level of which that, uh, authoritative measures would be carried out. The only difference was is that I knew the faces that would be doing them. Makes it a little different at that point. Most people just see authority as this like shadow figure that is like they have no soul, they have no mind, they have no thought, they have no nothing. They just do what they're told. And it's not the fucking case either. Yeah. Um, they're people with mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, and uh they're no different than us. They just well, happen. They just happen to earn a paycheck in a wildly different way than we do. Authority figures. This is the interesting thing: is that authority is ephemeral, but people who have or people who are the arbiters of authority are not. I feel like so often we conflate that, or where you know the people who are arbiters of authority are in fact authority. This is not my original idea. This is from Hannah Arendt, but the notion that there is this more enduring thing called authority. And then you have people who over time, you know, cycle in and out of being the, the, um, the stewards of that authority. I think it's, I mean, for me, it's important to make that distinction because you're absolutely right where it's that it changes the way that you see things. Yeah. And, and, I totally understand, and I've kind of made this like a point uh, ahead of a lot of arguments recently. Is like, look, and if you decree, you know, decree me as like uh, you're not a libertarian, well, guess what? I hold no value in your declaration of my libertarianism. I don't right. care. I hold less value in that terminology than I do in my own experiences. And if my own experiences, uh, displace what you think is factual then that's on you and i don't care because that's what you that's now your current struggle to figure out i've already figured my shit out life is fucked up there's not a perfect answer if there was a silver bullet how easy would it be to 
serve it up on a fucking platter. The reason why there isn't a silver bullet explanation to things is because there's nuance. There's individuals. There's life experiences. There's um, there's unrealized expectations. There's there's hopes that are never met. And all of us are left as humans to figure it out on our own without a rule book, without a manual. And no one knows what the fuck they're talking about until you yourself have understood what you are trying to find. And I don't mean to get so ephemeral here, uh, especially based on what we were talking about for the last like five hours. But you never know where you're going to fucking catch me. I might just find myself in a fucking thought loop. No, Justin's doing a great job because you're turning this back into like conversations with Bill Crystal. So this is great. Um, (laughs) No, that's I I used to listen to that. That's sometimes he's got good people on. Um, (laughs) By the way, I fucking hate Bill Crystal, but uh, carry on. I grew See, up reading. We could go Crystal down that. We could go down that rabbit hole because. Now here's the thing. I only hate Bill Crystal because he went up against Scott Horton, and because I love Scott Horton, therefore I must hate Bill Crystal, and that but goes had... back into a. Bit, 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 bit. See, only, there's one, only one, one guy that's going to totally neocon for there's, a number of years. Oh, like, yeah. There's only one guy that only Amanda and I know about that hears what I say now and is going to be like, "This motherfucker," <laughs> and I'm looking at you, Joe. We did it, Joe. Like, like I was a, I was a Bush Republican in two thousand four. Yeah, and like in hindsight, that was pretty cringy. But also at the same time, I got to attend the Kentucky State Republican Convention and meet a lot of really cool people, and like, like I was. I was literally the youngest uh, representative at the state convention. Like, that was really fucking cool, <laughs> and and it, like it was a lot of fun. And I got to meet uh, like Mitch McConnell, and it. Uh, Why? Okay, so a minute ago you were talking about like, hey, little stab contest. Like you didn't decide that that was a good time to maybe implement it. Like a little, there's a little see, stabby poo. Just see, little... at that time, I had gone to a, a Bush rally, and I actually traveled to campaign for Bush at that time. Like, I, I, I went out see, and stumped for Bush. See, um, at the time, I was in college. When I heard about a Bush rally, it meant something totally different. I, it meant, you know, that, it I meant that they were uh, boycotting and shaving through. for a few weeks. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You know what's great about having been a, a neocon who supported the war in Iraq? is you can see now the parallels between all of that and the biofascism with uh, under which we're living today and all of the we found wmds we found a new variant if if you don't get you know if if you if you don't do x y or z you're unpatriotic if you don't get vaccinated you're unpatriotic all of the if you walk into this building you're an insurrectionist that is the blessing of having been a neocon which i also was that you're able to look at it now and be like it's always the same and it's always used to increase surveillance it's always 2004 i was a bush republican i Mm -hmm. campaigned i traveled to campaign for him like i was all into it I started, I founded a college Republicans group, all of that shit. And then 
by the time I graduated college in 2006, 2007, the wars never ended. Like yeah. nothing ever changed. All Just the things like that, COVID. all the things that I thought I was going out and stumping for in 2004 never came to fruition. And so by the time I graduated college, I was pretty much done. And then when the Bush presidency or uh, when, yeah. So when the Bush presidency came to an end and the RNC decided to put McCain up against Obama, it's like, is this a fucking joke? Yes. Number one, you've got the, the Bush, you know, tail end of his presidency bailing out all of these big corporations for no fucking reason. Like there's no, there's no fucking excuse well, for this. There are a whatsoever. lot of reasons. There are a lot of reasons. But... A lot of reasons, no good excuse. And so mm-hmm. I'm looking at that, and I'm like, okay, if the, like, if the small government Republicans are bailing out these massive corporations, they do not represent. They do not represent anything that I actually believe in. Yeah. And then they put McCain up against Obama. And I'm like, um, this dude's not going to fucking win. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what they do. This dude's not fucking winning. And then I just checked out. And I, I tuned back in in 2000. And, you know, at the time I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, Ron Paul in his debates and and crushing Rudy Giuliani and just like killing it. And it was amazing. And the the GOP specifically is doing everything they can to undermine him and root him out. And then you fast forward. So so at that point I'm I'm done. Uh like I I paid attention to the campaigns and the debates and everything leading up to the 2008 election because uh, my boss at the time was really into it. And straight out of college, I had a really good paying job. So because that's what my boss was into, I paid attention because they gave me something to talk to him about and kind of kept me in, you know, in, in good, good graces. After that election, when Obama and, and I knew all along, like there's no way Obama's going to lose. He, he's going to carry this easily. Um, so, you know, then as soon as that's done with, I just check out. Like, I'm fucking done. I, I can't believe that, that these pansy-ass bastards had the gall to run fucking John McCain. So I'm done. And then in 2012, I think, okay, is there a chance of redemption? And then they put up fucking Mitt Romney. And it's like, okay, um, <laughs> I can never take the Republican Party seriously ever again. Like, if they thought Obama light was the solution to Obama, they are so out of touch Here's, with. They are so me, out of touch me, with Justin, the country me. that I can't fucking do this anymore. Like, period. Here's. here's the, uh, Let's take the listeners back in time like it's a fucking time capsule and let's see what you were up against. The reason why the Republicans couldn't win 
was like just listen to this like hard hitting right in the solar plexus political ad. I think this should be taught in all poli sci classes. And Amanda, and Amanda, like you're all right. So this was the official Obama uh, commercial, for lack of better words. Uh, Tell me what you think about this and let me know if you would have done it differently. Obama re-election campaign. Here we go. Dude, you got my vote. I assume that was uh, not played in all media markets. Well, there were some words that Obama said, but I edited them out because I, I didn't want to get copywritten. Um, that, that was run in uh, Chicago, Atlanta, New York City, Detroit. Yeah, yeah. And I represent Atlanta, and uh, that's all we heard. I was just like, well, pff, how the fuck is anybody going to vote against this guy? Simply, you don't play it in all media markets. And back then, there was a such thing as local coverage. This is what I said that I, I was in political theory. My second field is American politics. This is what gets me about American political behavior models is that they are not adjusted to, you know, to, to accord with the fact that our media consumption patterns and habits are entirely different now. So before you could in fact have an ad like that and reasonably expect that it would really only be seen by the target voters, which do not include you in those particular media markets. Whereas today that gets circulated all over the everywhere And so you do have to adjust in terms of your messaging. Who's going to see this? Well, everyone can potentially see it. That's why we have to coordinate with the media and and have, you know, meetings say, air this, don't air this, say it this way, don't say it that way. And both both parties do that to various effects. 100%. And that's why once the, because everything's about polling, they, they put things out and they're like, how did this, what was the response to this? And then it gets, it gets like uh, needled through, and it goes through the thought factory, and they're like, okay, well now, when now we know based on like because if if anybody's ever been a part of like a political campaign, they have like multi level like renditions of, okay, so that was one A, what's what's one B, what's two mm-hmm. A, what's mm-hmm. this, and so that went out, and it was like, okay, well obviously people love the fact that he's black. Um, what is the feedback from one a and then what do we get from two B and this is what we got after this. And I, I, I think that they really thought about it and they were like, let's fucking hammer it home. Uh, Cause we're not taking, okay. Heck, so, so this- we're not taking no shit from nobody. So I just real quick, Justin, I just want to play the second uh, political campaign from Barack Obama. And this might answer some questions on how we got such a, 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 a the president that we got. Okay, so I mean, he did a lot of field research. He thought about yeah. it. It's millions of dollars. Like they can't be wrong. So the question I was going to ask is, 
how do we get from that point in 2012 to 2020? Uh, demonized is, white people. Where there is what? 2020. I'm sorry. Sorry. Where I, there I shouldn't is have, an I shouldn't exponential have my... increase in black male voters voting for Donald Trump. Mm. We got to make Donald Trump black. Uh, generally, I think, and I haven't, I haven't looked at models for this specifically. Although I, say, I know the answer, but have... I, I wanted to pose it as a uh, like a general question. Well, it's first of all, it's a different, it's a different demographic. I mean, you you can talk about black voters, but that's like talking about white voters. Black male voters, it's like talking about white male voters. I mean, you you know, if we're more specific, we're talking about a, a separate group of voters. That's Although there might be some crossover between the voters that are turned on by the I'm blacker than black ad, just because it is so, you know, out of the mainstream, it's, it's, it's quirky, it's, it's loud, and people who would appreciate Donald Trump. So that, that's part of it. Um, right. So the... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Jim, Jim's too drunk. Damn it. Really spoiled the whole thing. One. Nope. Yep. Okay. And one and two and hmm? the first steps act was the kind of primary uh, kicking off point for the male black community. Because if you think about it, who is the most adversely affected by the war on drugs? It is young black men who really have not done anything wrong. Um, Especially when you look at a lot of the ones who are currently in jail. When that is transposed with the way state regulation has changed over the last five years with the way drug law is implemented, especially in relation to marijuana. The First Step Act was a huge step in the right direction for black men. Mm -hmm. But what what really fucked Trump over was... I dropped my pen, uh, if you couldn't hear that. What really fucked Trump over was black women. So, going back to the original stream... Well, I can tell you stories too. I've got stories. What is the problem with women in this situation? Because like, obviously the black men look at this and say, okay, what this administration has done is the complete antithesis of this uh, white supremacist narrative that has been pitched for literally four years. Mm -hmm. He has done more to help our community get out of this hole than any fucking Democrat ever has for the last, I don't know, since what, 1994 when Biden first implemented the war on drugs? Um, How does the the female community for the, the black female community, let me be like super specific, how do they look at this same thing and all right amanda get first of all get hella black and then answer this question thank you i'm this is a stream so i will not be getting as you say hella black uh, because that would be incriminating (laughs) however 
Um, <laughs> I can edit it out. Why would that make you a criminal? No, it's all right. Sorry. <laughs> it's um, all right. I do recall having a conversation with um, well, several people. Rachel Dole, Dolezal has proved anything. It's that you can be as hella black as you want and even start an OnlyFans page and just show pictures of your feet and you can still like cash cash in on it so i, I don't identify like, as any race so like go all out um i am the amazing are you, are race you like larry bird well. you're clear yeah i'm just i'm just radiant i don't know i'm the, I'm the amazing race um that wasn't a coded thing <laughs> that was just me saying i don't identify as a race okay so there was there was a whole there was a woman problem that Trump had and i think it's it's pretty clear why is that he you know he had lewd comments Donald Trump never really won much of the female vote, relatively speaking. But in particular, I'm recalling a conversation that I had with um, a, a guest at, at the restaurant where I worked in Chicago a day after Election Day, where uh, she was talking to me, confiding in me. And she said, you know, I just don't understand how any woman could vote for Donald Trump, especially against Hillary Clinton. And she's just going on like, as a woman, as a woman. And she kept repeating, as a woman, you have to. And I really wanted to say, well, as a woman, I feel like you have the agency to, to decide whom to vote for and whom not. And I, I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for Clinton. Um, but there was that as a woman beat out so much and as a woman meant there's no way that you can vote for this misogynistic pick. You just can't. No, but that was the mindset. So in your in in your mindset, was mm -hmm. he ever that? Was he ever a misogynistic pick? Yeah. I mean, he said some gross things. I I you know, the thing about the thing about Trump is that a lot of the reasons that people hated him is because of stuff that he said. Um I was more critical of his policy in general because I feel like that is the more meaningful metric and I didn't approve of a lot of his policies. So, yeah. The shit that he said was boorish and outlandish and ridiculous, but I never viewed it as anything more than just pure fucking comedy. Whereas the policy itself, that's that's the stuff that I took issue with. Yeah, and like we talked about this um, in my like the the morning show that I do. We talked about like none of us are particularly Trump supporters, but we kept getting backed into this corner where we were having to support him because because the left was being so fucking outrageous with like the dumb shit that they would say. Like, like I felt like I was being put in this position where I'm like, would you stop being so retarded that you put me in a position that I have to defend him for shit that he didn't actually say? Like the way, <laughs> the way that I always tried to work around that successfully, successfully or no, is that I would try to pivot to, you know what? there are more important things for which we should criticize him. And so that way it didn't sound like well, something I didn't want to be doing. I didn't want to be defending him. Um, 
but it, I tried not to even have it be interpreted as such just by saying, here's what we should really be focusing on, not even addressing what, what someone else had, had, had said. And sometimes I was successful, sometimes I wasn't. But That's like, I felt like I would get backed into this corner where mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say is I am as critical of Trump, if not more so than what the person I'm arguing with is. But I'm having to defend him because they keep coming from the most retarded angle that you could possibly bring an argument from. And so I'm stuck in this, like I'm getting backed into this corner of defending something that doesn't fucking exist at all. It's a distraction. It's a distraction. Right. And, and I'm the having reason- to defend against a distraction that doesn't exist. And, and I'm coming across like this Trump supporter when the reality of it is none of this bullshit is even true to begin with. And we shouldn't be having this conversation, period. Like we should be actually nor, talking about the nor are policy they... and things that are going on in the world, not this dumb shit that doesn't fucking exist. The reason like, that we had the distraction, though, is because the things that should have been targets of our criticism of Trump were also things for which we could criticize the Democrats. And that was the problem, is that if we called out Donald Trump for doing all, all of these you know, ridiculous, you know, supporting various policy measures, they're very similar if not identical to ones that Democrats support, he's, you know, the Republicans are doing the same thing Democrats are doing. So we need the distraction. And at the end of the day, Donald yeah. Trump really was a Democrat who ran as a Republican. I mean, yeah, Donald Trump was a 90s dim yep. that was running as a today's Republican. Whatever it's not that are. difficult. Not that difficult. It's it's simple if you've been paying attention. It's difficult if you try to explain it. And that's why there's a litany of podcasts trying to explain why, well, we got to think about things in this nature. We got to fuck libertarianism. We got to have post-libertarianism. It's like, I mean, look, I love all the people involved in that i love pete quinones i love tho bishop tho bishop is my goddamn homeboy um he's you know he's a georgia bulldog and well i'm a little bit partial um, I think we so i hope you see this opinion is of post-libertarianism <laughs> my 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 point is is that and i think i said this on an an earlier stream whether it was recorded or not and that is that everybody feels like a, a a more explicit desire to be correct on on prescribing or deciphering things like all of a sudden now it's the most pressing moment of all time ever no it's not i bought into it for the last two years it fucking isn't you know why because the people that i listen to that tell me that it's the most pressing time of all time they're not doing shit they're not controlling nothing they're trying to get a message out there to sway ideas, and that's great. That's wonderful. Keep doing it. But you're wrong. You're wrong because whether or not people buy in, the thing continues to go. Right. So I'm you the, are I'm a, the one who's actually building his 
entire stable and putting up the garden and moving yeah. out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, you, you the get the rest of these guys are just talking about it on a fucking podcast. You get no points a hundred years from now for being the first one to call it out to to let people know hey, people are doing things that are fucked up. Oh, is this the first time ever? No. Um, we can withstand far more than what our books from Mises and Hop tell us that uh, are inconsolable. Um, they are great starting points, and the libertarian ideals are wonderful, but to make them as a make-or-break moment at all times, that's the reason why the libertarians have been at this hyperbolic fucking like you don't know what the fuck we're talking about for fucking 50 years and no one listens to them because they've been crying uh, yeah, they've been they've been screaming the sky is falling the entire time and eventually people just don't give a fuck now while I while I agree that uh, libertarian philosophy is one of the finest ones that man has ever created um, if it's so goddamn good and we all agree that good ideas don't require force, stop forcing that shit down normies' throats because normies will reject it. Well, do they? I mean, we have gay marriage. We have more drug legalization now than we have in the past. We have a long ways to go. But there are several policy victories and there are several ways in which, you know, you've had you've had libertarian victories, not by saying, hey, everyone, vote libertarian, or hey, everyone, become a libertarian. Uh, but the thing is, you don't need to, because libertarianism plays to something kind of innate, if not contradictory towards certain other impulses, innate within most people. Um, and so I don't, I don't know. I, I think that there is a certain there's a certain contingent of libertarian policy folks who are kind of barking up the wrong tree in the wrong way, and then there are also she's smaller starting to answer the uh, post libertarian question. I didn't know I was doing that, um, but I, I got a but, response. I'm just waiting for her to finish. Yeah, no, and there there are also small libertarians who are who are helping to write briefs who are helping to make people think about issues a little bit differently so to go to your to go more directly to your post libertarian question um i identify myself as a libertarian for the most part because it makes sense but i don't think that anyone has to necessarily call themselves anything to support liberty and I don't think anyone needs to call themselves anything in particular to, to make a compelling case for liberty. So, right. I, so I, Jim, do you want to go first? You want, or, or yeah, can I no, go? I would, here's, here's the only thing I would say. I'm not even going to call it a retort. It's just more of a, this is what I see. And I'm curious what your retort would be. And that is, um, while I'm questioning libertarianism as far as how I was prescribed it, um, which I guess makes me a post-libertarian, whatever the fuck that term is. I don't um, know Listen to my episode with Pete. And I love Pete. I, I love Pete. I I will uh, I will okay, constantly so... argue for pro-tho-bishop and 
pro Buck Johnson and Pete Quinones. Um, to preface my episode with Pete, I specifically laid out we are not going to say that P word. We are going to just talk about the journey. And that's fine. And take it from, and take it from that's there. That's fine. I think and, I and think... we managed to do that for like 80% of the episode. And then like right at the end, we said, They got you. Yeah, we said the word. Those post libertarians, they'll get you every time. <laughs> but it was a really good conversation. So cool. like well, I'll give it a listen. Not to not to toot my own horn, but yeah, I, no, please do. I, I do recommend checking my episode with Pete out because we did kind of cover the the journey side of mm -hmm. going from being more or less uh, neocon to anarchist to libertarian to post libertarian kind of in a uh, a very linear pattern and it, and and as kind of weird as it may sound like he and I both kind of had a a similar path with that uh like over different timelines but it was a, a very similar path so so like I don't think that the the post libertarian I ideas are the end of my path. Like I'm still, no, I'm still learning and growing and moving post post libertarian. If that makes sense. Like, like if I had just stopped there, that would seem disingenuous. Yeah. Um, like well, the well, argument well, that well, I would well, make real quick, the argument that I would make is for certain people, you have all the ingredients on the table to make your greatest argument ever that have never existed six, eight, 12 years ago without sounding like a crazy person. So now everybody has a platform for their own uh, message, whether that be Dave Smith, libertarians, post-libertarians, Ted Cruz, Republicans, whatever the fuck, I don't care. My point is, is that while some people are capable of claiming certain things uh, and, and making a, uh, a campaign around it, you have a juxtaposition that have never been so great as they are right now. For example... What I say when I mean I don't give a flying fuck what my terminology is. I've read the books. I adhere to the ideology of libertarianism. Uh, who gives a shit? Because while you have more people awakening and questioning the narrative and listening to alternative methods of information, you also have the the most wild ass fucking proclamations by governors of the biggest states like Gavin with the good hair um and while at the same point over that time you have the largest expansion of constitutional gun rights this isn't linear mm -hmm. yeah this isn't something that while covid is winning we're losing our rights or while gays are getting married, we're losing our culture. None of those are true. 
they're all hyperbolic bell cows that get fucking retards to go, I think they're making a good point here. Also because gay people bring the culture. All right. Like, I love gay culture. Sorry. Go on. Well, that's up for debate. But I mean, my point I, is, I watch is that if, if you're looking for peak freedom, however you define it, the one thing that I think we can all agree upon is the lack of restriction from a governmental side. Mm-hmm. And while you have the most overt go- governmental lockdown on personal rights and freedoms, and Amanda, you went through this on a previous episode with justin as far as like you got to spit and do a cup and then log into this and then find out if you can walk into that building that's some shit that would start a war 200 years ago but because they let gays marry and uh they let me have my side piece on me maybe um we're willing to look past it but here's the funny thing they're not willing to let you have your side piece on you because if they if they were trying to pull that shit with an armed society and somebody really didn't like it, um, outcomes would be different. My whole point is, is that the time in which to get involved in libertarianism has never been worse. While most people think it's never been greater, I would make the argument that it's never been worse because you have so many people that are so polarized in what they think as far as how we should be governed and libertarianism is sitting here going, well, have you heard of this 1976 book from Rothbard? Um, no one gives a flying fuck about that shit. And the ideals of the, the free market is, is like Saturday cartoon land compared to what's so actually happening in the real world. And so it, it makes problem. it, it, it makes it difficult to, get anyone on our side or think the way that we do with the old trite uh i'm just a bill on capitol hill fucking messaging you're saying well right so you're saying that you have a messaging problem what you're not saying is that it's a bad time to get involved it's it's a poor time to use certain strategies when they're not appealing to the general public but I'm although just, they would just, they would appeal to some people, and so you can use them with some people. But no, I'm I'm agreeing with you that there are certain ways of trying to message that are 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 just not going to be effective for a lot of people right now. Um, but I don't think that means that the critique is with libertarianism. It might be with the Libertarian Party. It might be with libertarian messaging writ large. Uh, but I think it's a fantastic time to get involved. And, and I mean, there's there's no time more critical to get involved, but that's always true because... The most yeah. important election is always the next election. Mm-hmm. My thing is, is look, I understand uh, as much as the next guy that things are fucked. Um, to are think you that- involved with the California Mises Caucus and all of that stuff? Uh, I'm... I'm- tangentially with with some lp stuff not not with Mises specifically uh just because again i i don't like declaring fealty to any particular caucus yeah and i'm with amanda there i'm with amanda there i'm i'm a donor to the Mises caucus but i'll be honest 
they can fully take over 100% of the LPNC and it still won't affect a single minuscule, just, just a little TT amount of my actual life. See, so, I've, I've said this way too many times. Um, like, I support the Mises Caucus, but here in Indiana, we have a legitimately good state party. Yeah. So, like, I have I have actively fought the Mises guys against trying to do a like a takeover of the state. Yeah. Because I have to explain to them like our state chair is legitimately really good. Like, like the the whole reason that I met Joe Jorgensen was because I went to his birthday party in Indy, and I got to sit with her and just talk to her and hang out and yeah. it was, no, was fucking so awesome yeah. and and like i i legitimately consider evan a real friend like and i don't give a fucking shit that he ran nick sarwark's campaign for the mayor of phoenix in when the fuck ever that was 10 years ago evan has a legitimate plan to make the the Libertarian Party of Indiana a serious competitor that challenges the, the counties where the Democrats are bad and the Republicans are just as bad and push them to be better. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to push that the, the Mises Caucus needs to try to stage some sort of a takeover of the state of Indiana when we are actually doing the things that the Libertarian Party should be doing. Here's so, all I'll say. So I would, while I, would... I support the Mises Caucus personally, here in the state, knock that shit off mm-hmm. and get behind the state chair who wants to make legit changes. And honestly, even if he may deny it, if I like, if he heard me say it, he would probably deny it. We are going to work with the good Republicans to make sure the bad Republicans and the even worse Democrats stay out of office. Yeah, like that—that that is more important than anything else. And if that means either not running a libertarian very hard. Or running a libertarian in a means that it takes away from the the bad Democrats' votes and not from the Republican votes, yeah. or or run, running a good libertarian in certain races where it hurts a bad Republican, or that they are forced to reconsider the bullshit that they are engaging in, like like that's that is that's that's the stuff that's important for our state, and that makes legitimate difference. If literally zero uh, libertarians get elected, but we are able to influence the way these motherfuckers think about things and the way that they legislate, then we have made the right difference. And and, and is... I need the and I need the Mises people to understand that there is a plan that we are legitimately working towards making this a actual free state. Not that, just a not just a Republican supermajority state, but an actual free state. Like we need to be behind that. What you just laid out is 
exactly what I want to do. And it is what I want to do with my work. It is what I want to do with uh, civil discord. It is what I want to do in any speaking or writing or campaigning or whatever is get people to see things in a slightly different way and honestly kind of be a PR agent for liberty. And I think there is such a great function. Um, you know, there, there's, such, there's such a great necessity for that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. Um, I think it would be just kind of thinking more randomly, not saying this particular circumstance, but I would love to see, you know, how we have Ron Paul running as a Republican. I want to see a, a libertarian candidate on, on the Democrat stage, kind of working as a spoiler in that regard, just because, you know, you, you come no, at it. That's from, your no, you Kelly do, coming out. No, dude, you come. No, I'm not kidding because no, otherwise, I know, I know. how do you get? You. How did Ron Paul get the neocons? He was on that Republican debate stage. Well, he never so got I, it. He got he got snuffed out. My whole no, thing no, is, he got is the like, neocons. He got he got Justin. He got. I mean, I was a neocon. I wasn't a Ron Paul convert, but I that brought a lot a lot of neocons came to libertarianism because Ron Paul was up there as a Republican, and there are so many ways to pivot toward libertarianism from the left. There are on civil rights on or civil liberties, not, not leftists as they are today, but I would you're, love to see someone run. You're, uh, as libertarian you're getting, you're getting to the point that I really wanted to make. And that is that, that, you know, as far as the Mises caucus and the libertarian party going after red States, it's like, stop wasting your time. Uh, you Do should both. only, for me, if I was a strategist, uh, I would say go only after the blue states. All right, right so now, Jim yes. is in a unique position because he has the worst fucking possible takes of all time. <laughs> and Stacey Abrams and mm. Shane Hazel. I love Shane. Um, I, I've had great conversations with him. We were even like we had even brainstormed and were in the developmental stages of a like a a, a kid friendly show. Yeah, I got I, I I watched those. I got no personal problem with Shane. I don't give a flying fuck that he works for a company that has government contracts. But my problem is I, he has the potential to play spoiler to Brian Kemp or whatever his fucking name is. And allow Stacey Abrams and her miserable, horrible fucking self to potentially win in Georgia. Like, could there be a possibly worse outcome than that? And if like, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't think there could be. I don't see any positive, beneficial aspect to him running a govern uh, a uh, gubernatorial campaign. Other than it spoils it for Brian Kemp and it puts Stacey Abrams in office. Thank I you. Did not Fucking dis- thank you. I did not necessarily is- disagree with it as far as the 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 senatorial campaigns went uh, in 2020 and and where it where it allowed two bad Democratic senators to ultimately end up winning mm-hmm. because it. It put the House 
in a or the Senate in a position where it has allowed Joe Manchin to really kind of show his uh like really kind of flex his muscles and show mm-hmm. who he is and what he is and, and be the spoiler for the Democrats. And and like for okay, so for me being like super entrenched in all of this dumb bullshit that I probably shouldn't be as entrenched in as I, as what I am. Like I saw that coming. Like if it, if it, if it came down to a 50, 50, 50, split, there are going to be moderate Democrats who are in, who are in positions, who are in uh, districts that they cannot side with the progressive bullshit they're going to have to to buck that system, and it's gonna and it's gonna uh, emphasize the split in the Democratic Party, and and ultimately that's a good thing. I, so I, I, I wasn't opposed to Shane Hazel playing spoiler in Georgia and creating that 50 50 split, like that's I, that's a net sum I got, gain. I got an immediate retort when you're but done. for the for the governors position that is nothing but a loss like that is that is a bad fucking move that should not be done as much as i love shane that should not be done yeah no i i I want to hit me i want to jump on this right now tell me why i'm wrong on the senate thing oh no 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 you're 100 right i uh i will not be voting for shane hazel for governor for Georgia um, because it's, it's literally the most retarded way to leave the house and go vote. Um, it says nothing about Shane as an individual. I don't give a flying fuck about who signs his paychecks. I think the people that get so caught up in that where they think that they're, you know, revealing something that is so great. Here's the thing. If you think feds are the biggest fucking uh, scare or you know structural takedown of libertarianism you don't know what the fuck you're getting involved in if we can have the fun ideological game of six degrees of kevin bacon you think that having a fun game with a celebrity that doesn't even give a fuck about you is any different than a fed this whole like oh who's the fed oh you the fed you're acting like a fed Here's the thing. If feds wanted to get after you, they don't need you to have a game about it. They would already be there. As someone that was raised by feds and grew up with feds, they don't need your your mysticism about them. They'll just be there. To go if, Shane, if Shane Hazel worked for whatever fucking company Halliburton or whatever the fuck um don't care don't okay, fucking care i genuinely do not give a shit what i give a shit about is if he's running against other republicans here in my home state of georgia and the only opponent to that is stacy abrams i'm going to be anti shane hazel I'm going to be anti the guy that is not going to already get the majority of the fucking vote that is going to give us a better chance at getting Stacey Abrams. I think to zoom out, 
bad libertarian I, I might be. There's a really great point that's been made, which is that right now, Republicans as a whole are much more content with Republicans in leadership than Democrats are content with the Democrat leadership. There's a lot more dissent. There's a lot more. If I were a libertarian strategist, if there's anyone who wants to rescue me and pay me money so that I can get out of California and live in Chicago as a libertarian strategist or Detroit, um, what I would be doing. Tugging on it too much. If I had a million dollars, I'd get you out of all those hell holes, but I'm, I'm I'm a poor black man. What I would be doing is I would be saying do target the Democrats because that is where there is more discontent. Right now, Republicans are happy with, or relatively speaking, happy with the Republican leadership. Democrat voters are not. And the issues on which they're unhappy with the Democrat leadership are things where libertarians are pretty good. Like education, again, um, surveillance, pharma, all of that stuff. So that's where I would go. All I'm saying is I am a 1 million percent Georgia boy. I've already, look at me. Look at this shit I'm wearing. Look at the helmets behind me. Look at all the dumb shit behind me. I got fucking newspapers that I'm, you know, holding for my friends. I'm about to be the biggest fucking like, uh, uh, non-political advertisement for, culture in my state and none of it has anything to do with shane hazel i don't give a flying fuck where he worked if he was the best guy that had the best chance to win i'd be one million percent behind him but he isn't because he's in a red state that's acting purple and the one thing that we cannot have is uh fucking stacy abrams anywhere close to a seat of power so sorry shane but in this instance um you don't matter that's exactly why you come at it from the left because if you had a candidate who was a spoiler for stacy abrams who's a libertarian no, if shane, shane hazel i know shane, but if, shane is run shane. as a local state representative Good. and show his fucking worth Good. And I'm, not not run. Saying shane. I'm not talking about shane i'm talking i am about, because i, I know. know that he's a personality that might actually watch this and i hope that he fucking okay. sees this and i'm in a right. chat with him i could probably just direct message him but my point is is run for something where you are uh, overseeing your own area and prove to the rest of these retards that you are capable of this don't just come out of the fucking blue and go for the entire state like that is a death wish politically you fucking retard stop uh, stop trying to tackle things larger than yourself you're not you're not there yet peter said it multiple times like like Shane would make for an an incredible mayor. Yeah, like, no, he would no be wonderful, but he's not capable for... nor qualified to go for the offices that he's reaching out for. He is self sabotaging his own shit, and when he fails, he will decry. Oh, I didn't have the support, or people didn't do the. Go for something you can win. Go for something you can fucking win, and then get back to me. I fucking love you, Shane. But stop going after shit that you cannot win. If you want libertarianism and liberty ideals and the whole idea of the death cult um, to to supersede your local little ideas, 
Go for seats you can win. Stop being Willy Wonka uh, in an idea of fucking in a political chocolate factory. It's fucking embarrassing. I love you. You're better than this. Win the things you can win. Stop going for shit you can't. For fuck's sakes. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I know that that was a little more impassioned than where we were, but I live in Georgia. This is my home fucking state. He went to a rival high school in Snellville. Uh, he was a Brookwood Bronco, and I was a South Gwinnett Comet. AZ, um, you're gonna you're gonna dox yourself. I know, and I don't care. My point is, is that uh, I graduated in a class of 2000. So good luck, find me. Um, God, really? He's I graduated not in a class of 50. He's not the person that is at the place that he thinks he is. He just isn't. Meanwhile, so, if you're running in a purple state pivot from the left right now. All I'm saying is do whatever you can to beat Stacey Abrams, and you don't have to go for the entire state to beat her. You you keep Kemp in. You run for a state Senate seat. You fucking team up with Kemp. You get over the bullshit, and you fucking wreck Abrams. It's not that hard. This is some easy, rudimentary political shit. And the fact that he's running this whole, like, oh, I'm going against the murder cult. I love you, but stop it. You're hurting what you're going after. And it's fucking embarrassing at a per- at a certain point. And I want him to do better because I have higher expectations for him than he seems to have for himself. I love you, Shane. Reach out to me. Give me a holler. I would love to uh, hash out strategy. But what you're doing now ain't it. Go dogs. I really can't argue with that. Like, so here in Indiana, we have. Uh, See how they, how retarded would it be that I I have the answers and now I go well maybe I should run. That's what, what he did. In Indiana, See, like here in Indiana, we have a couple state representatives that are really good, like that are really good as far as like the liberty type stuff go, and they're unable to get stuff done because they're up against like the, the Bush style GOP types. It would be fucking retarded for us as the libertarians to run people against them. Like that does, that does no good. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Where we should be running people, where we should be running people. Is against the legitimately bad Republicans yeah. who have supported lockdowns, who have fought against uh, uh, less gun control, who who have fought against um, constitutional carry. The Republicans who have been supportive of mass mandates and all of the bullshit that this supposedly Republican general uh, uh, governor has has stood for like it's, it's easy things. as shit run Mises people in blue counties where they severely don't like it and then get a immediate two election cycle 76 or plus percent return or flip and then now go sell yourself to donors and see, he even that's here, not hard. Like, we don't we don't even need to run Mises people in those 
those counties. Mm-hmm. We just need to run a good libertarian in those counties. Yeah, no, it's simple have, as shit. But it's... and we have good libertarians in place. Like we don't need to be challenging. But, but people we don't would need rather to be get the bogged good, down the good when the good Demo- the sorry the good Republicans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to be pushing the bad Republicans out. Yeah. Thank you. But and, it's, and, it's, and that's, it's like, that's, too difficult. That's it's too difficult for autistic get. asses to not get hung up on the fact that some bitch named Sarah is showing her ass on Twitter. And that that brings everybody into a, well, I don't know. Is that a violation of the nap? Stop being so retarded that you stop winning shit. Go win shit libertarians and i'm i'm not i'm not saying this to you justin or to you amanda i was feeling very offended because i was about to show my ass on Twitter, well so. damn it you jim did. you fucked it up you just <laughs> fucked it all up i'm just Here's saying like, so that's Talk where that's that's what i sound like when i get serious um stop being such fucking faggots you don't understand what politicism is or, or your politics are if you're going to get into the game of politics, learn how to fucking win it before you start declaring that you're in politics. It should be a uh, it should be something that we come back to see, oh, they were doing politics. Don't give people the spoiler before you give them the movie. Go win the shit in politics and then come back and let me know that you're winning in politics. I think libertarians are just too much on top of their own bullshit. They like smelling their own farts to the degree that they don't understand. They don't know how to wield power. And they talk a lot of shit about what power does negatively to people that they don't even understand what it means to actually have it, what it takes to get it, much less what it. it takes to keep it. And since they've never had it, kept it, or have earned it, we all look like fucking assholes. That's so, the problem with a lot of libertarians is that you yeah. are, they're anti-power, which is, you know, I mean, I think you should have a lot of power over your own life, but a lot of libertarians conflate power and leadership, which I think, or, or, you know, totalitarianism and leadership. Uh, you can have a, a libertarian who practices amazing leadership and who is an amazing leader and is not a complete, uh, power hungry warlord so i think one of the biggest problems is that some of the some of the libertarians whom i'd like to see taking more of a stand on certain things are afraid to because they are uncomfortable with leading yeah because they're pussies they think that power immediately implies implementation of force and they don't understand the game in which they're in um you need to and this is my message to libertarians out there. You need to stop being such pussies about the idea of wielding power and get a little more comfortable with the idea that you got to take the power away from those that are capable and wanting to wield it against your adversaries. See, and, Jim's not looking at me. Otherwise, he'd see the, uh, the, the giddy look in my face. See, I want to cut you off a little bit. This That's is fine. why I am not a huge proponent of the nap because mm-hmm. we are in a situation societally where for lack of a better way of saying it, aggression and 
is the appropriate response to what is going on. Using an aggressive position to actively move against the opposition is a necessity in promoting a more free society. I would is say that a libertarian true. position? Probably not. No, but... I think it is. Sorry, you can... No, uh, well, go, no ahead. I, go ahead. I was just going to say, again, there, there's kind of a... Insofar as we're... So, I think that the non-aggression principle gets thrown around a lot without much of an explanation of what it means, and it's kind of to everyone's detriment. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right that now, and, and it always has been the time for assertion and assertiveness. And that can be forceful without being violent. Um, I would I would argue for a much more assertive stance than than what we're currently seeing. Uh, and again, say, I would not... like the argument that aggression is the appropriate response in specific situations that violence may not be the answer all the time but it depends on the question and it's it's ecclesiastes maybe because it's the way maybe it's because of the way that I was raised very rurally with a more or less conspiracy theorist type father I look at certain situations, especially the one that we are living through right now, and it feels like aggression and active um, overthrowing of some of the bullshit that's going on may actually be the appropriate and the most beneficial response to the question of how do we fix this insane bullshit? Because if there's not some extreme response, it doesn't end. I mean, look at the last two years. It has progressively gotten worse and worse and worse. Yeah, but the the, the problem is, and I, I think that it depends on how we're defining overthrowing, right? So... It, it is it is very in, in addition to being other things it is poor optics to to do certain things um, and it's also just just not effective it doesn't I am not at the point oh my gosh dog Dougie I'm sorry I completely lost we have a new guest hi there baby oh yeah Anyway, I, I, w- I would absolutely argue for, for assertion, and I would, I would argue for, you know, being, being powerful, being, being a leader, speaking out. And I love your dog. Hey, buddy boy. Hey. All right, you want to go down? You wanna, you wanna... How big is that dog? You want to go to bed? Hey. All right, go 
All right, so this is my boy, Buddy. Hi, Buddy. He's never been on a podcast before, so he's oh. a little stage fright. Oh, well, you look great, Buddy. <laughs> he's like, Tad, just please let me okay, go to bed. Can I just, like, not do this? Thank you. Oh. You want to go down? Buddy, you're a star. You want to go down? Come on. Yeah, so 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 put me down for it. I'm not I'm not a secessionist, but I certainly think um, you can be assertive without uh, you know without violent takeovers and the like. Yes, I do. I know. I guess the best way to uh, kind of clarify it is I have absolutely no desire. For violent takeover type situations, but I am a hundred percent prepared for it. Well, you saw my fucking weapon. He's got full of fur, and he fucking is very unhappy that somebody cut his balls out. So he's ready to fight. Um, no, but it's all right. Well, let's let's. Let's bring this thing home because it, we've we've established quite a bit of common ground. Um, right, I'm not like I'm not in a state that that violent insurrection would be necessary. Oh no, I, I'm just making sure that that the feds hear that. Yeah, <laughs> I was worried about your door getting broken down for a second there. See, that's funny because we were sitting in the hot tub one day and uh, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Jim might have heard this conversation, this this story before. So we were sitting in the hot tub one day, and my wife and I were having some conversations about uh, this type of stuff. And and I said, you know, it's a good thing that our phones aren't out here, because if the NSA agents who listen to my phone heard what we're saying, they would probably be rolling up in the driveway right now. And my escape pants are in the washing machine. And my wife looked me dead in the eyes, and she said. No, they're in the dryer. <laughs> I was like, wait, you know what? You know which pants I'm talking about? She's like, yeah, you're talking about your uh, your uh, your khaki dickies, right? I was like, oh, shit. Like, she already knows. Like, we're on the same page. This is all good. Like, th- when it happens, it's going to work out. See, the thing with me is, like, I've heard about the whole, like, put your cell phones in a fucking lockbox or a microwave, like, and back in 2012. I hear you, buddy. I'm sorry, dude. Oh, man. I had a guy that came um, in. So when I was a, a sales specialist at Lowe's, I had a guy that came in, and he was wanting to buy some, like, flooring and stuff. And 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 so I found the shit that he was looking for. And he pulls out his phone out of his pocket. And it, it's wrapped in aluminum foil, and it's got duct tape all over it. So he starts, like, pulling the aluminum foil off and the duct tape off, and he takes a picture of, of the the UPC that he's needing for this stuff. And then he immediately starts wrapping it all back up. And he's like, you know, they're, they're paying attention. They're watching. Like, you can't be too careful. I'm like, all yeah, right. It's, like, yeah, it's, I get it. Uh, if they want to come after <laughs> me, can. like they are. It's so asinine to listen to normie people trying to figure out what the fuck they do or don't know or how much no effort they will put. I'm not saying that I'm some level of like, blessed fed level of like understanding but it's like i'll never forget when i was a child when i was a fucking child back in the 90s 
when I was watching like local Fox five Atlanta news, uh, further doxing, if you're keeping track, um, where I was sitting there with my stepdad with a fucking three finger scotch drink with two solid ice cubes in it. And he wanted to come home and watch the news with his gold toed fucking black socks and his basketball shorts and a white beater because he was like, I want to see how the news portrays what the fuck I did today. And I sat down with him. and I was like, hey, what's up, pops? Fucking let's watch it. And he pointed out every single thing the media got wrong. Mm -hmm. That's not the guy that they talked to. That's not where we actually were. That's not what we were there for. And that lady is dating the guy that's over on camera two. And I was like, oh, well, that sounds like far too much to actually give a shit about. And then uh, if if your audience doesn't know, Justin, uh, not that this has any value to it, but it only it explains why I would know what I am about to say now. My dad was a police officer killed in the line of duty when I was 10 years old. As I became older and I started doing personal face-to-face -face interviews with the local media, um, as anniversaries hit and new laws were passed and whatever, they really wanted to talk to me. And so I talked to them. And I can't tell you how many conversations I have with them that were never released to the public because none of them ever fucking gave them the reason to say that there should be more control over drunk people. Um, and that always stuck with me when growing up with my stepdad who did like FBI raids where he was like, no, that's not what we were there for. And that guy doesn't, you know, and he was just pointing out fake, 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 fake. And then when I got to a point where I was talking to them for 45 minutes and they used six minutes of a clip of something that I said between hiccups, I was like, dude, fake, 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 yeah. fake, 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 fake. You know, that's this really was, funny that this was that. 15 years before Trump. He was oh, not a genius man. He just that's pointed really out funny the that obvious. You said that because I, well, I, I was a, I was a baseball coach at a you know a small county school uh, in the early two thousands, and at the time the county clerk had been stealing funds from the clerk's office, basically to fund her own dumb bullshit. Yeah, that those were funds that like those were specifically supposed to go to the baseball program at the county high school. The program that I was fucking coaching on that I was, I was pouring personal money into to buy catcher's equipment and baseball bats because we didn't have funding. Mm -hmm. And then we come to find out that the goddamn county clerk has been embezzling money and, 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 and turning it back into her own fucking accounts and and the local news showed up like i think they didn't realize what they were getting themselves into like they were just set up, they they just set up shop at a, a local gas station and were interviewing random ass people who were walking into the gas station and i was the yeah. fucking baseball coach and so they asked me about it and i went on like a 20 minute tirade about how like what bullshit it was that she was stealing funds from our program specifically and like all of this stuff and then, like when I get when I go back to school the next morning, uh, my my eight a.m. Uh, ag tech class uh, professor was like, "Hey, I saw you on the news last night, and you said this and this and this." I'm like, "That's a minute and a half of twenty minutes of 
of what I actually said about how fucked up what this bitch fucking did to our program, to our county, to our actual school. Like, they portrayed me as some dumbass fucking redneck who was mad because she was robbing funds from the baseball program and didn't go into the entirety of the conversation where I laid out why it was fucking criminal what she had done. Like, exactly. So, fucking pisses me off so, so much. So that's why I say for every libertarian, there's like, oh, cops are the fucking bitches all, you know, a cab. Go fuck yourself. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about because you've never lived what it actually means. Um, What you actually hate is the state enforcement of state law. Um, And furthermore, you just got exposed over the last five years that the media just may very well be lying to you. Um, so pick one and stick with it. And if, and if you're trying to tackle cops are all bad because I'm, I listen to Michael Malice and I'm a fucking retard, uh, and the media is lying to me. Well, congratulations. You are fully playing into their fucking hand. Um, as someone who was born and raised, uh, in, 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 well, raised by law enforcement, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about to every libertarian and to every normie that thinks that all cops are bastards. You've all been played. You've all fallen for the fucking same shit. Uh, and you're no better than Michael Malice. And if you think Michael Malice is a savior, you're equally retarded. The man uh, doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He's a Russian that moved to New York that then went to Austin and thinks he understands America. Uh-uh. Not even close. Um, I enjoy Malice because he's a professional troll. I troll, enjoy, but, but that's it. Like, he's I enjoy him. Troll. But if you want to know what, what cops actually think when they're reaching your door before they kill your dog, I'd be happy to talk. Um, do I think it's good? No. Do I understand why it happens? Yes. That's the difference between philosophers and realists. A lot of people read a lot of books by a lot of people that think they got it all figured out, but they don't know fuck about shit when it comes to what actually happens. And the demonization of people that actually go out there and do it versus the people that think about it all day is a very wide canyon. And I'm fucking over people that think they got it all figured out because they read a handful of books. Your books don't mean shit when the real shit is going down. That's... Hey, buddy. Keep it down. My dog's over there fucking protesting. My point is, is your library does not supplant real life. Your ideas are amalgamations of others' ideas and I would rather live in the real world and I've seen it first person up close and personal. Um, Cops aren't killing black people for sport. Cops aren't just killing libertarians because they hate liberty. Um, You've been misled. Sorry to tell you. Even Pete Quinones's fucking uh, documentary that all cops are bad well 
that's a very shallow take and he's a retard for making it. I love the man as a person. I hate libertarian values the way they've been implemented where they make people so goddamn tribal they can't look beyond their own ass. Um, people have lost their goddamn minds because right. of what I said earlier where everybody wants to try to find their tribe and be the most right in their tribe. All of you are getting it wrong because none of you are leaving nuance as far as the actual true human dynamic that exists within all of us. You're all fucking up. Stop doing that. I'm going to need to dip, but it has been so cool hanging out with you guys for this long. And I would be hanging out with you longer if I weren't very tired and didn't have a game theory class tomorrow. So give us your closing statement then. My closing statement. Uh, my closing statement is that uh, people should listen or watch the fact checked uh, fact check podcast and listen to ignore the rant as well as civil discord. Um, and that right now it's always good pivot. It's good pivot from the left and blue states. Uh, and Machiavelli was right about uh, all just about everything. So, yeah. you know, tumults are tumults are necessary. Fuck yeah, Amanda. <laughs> All right. Cheers, Thank guys. you so much for joining Bye. us. This Thanks has been a anytime. lot of fun. This yeah. is a blast. Love to do it again. We will Catch definitely do it again. All right. Bye. And All then right. there was I guess, two. I guess we're going to cut out because I should probably get some sleep at some point. I gotta oh, yeah. No, I for sure got to go. It's 2.30 or 2.40 or 2.50 my time. I should have been in bed two hours ago. I went on a... Uh, you know, I feel like I heard you say this like three nights ago yeah no i went on a pretty pretty severe rant uh because uh uh i'm tired of it i'm 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 in and i'll keep it short but i'm tired of libertarians thinking that they have all the shit figured out you don't um i love you you mean the best uh shane hazel should not run for fucking governor for georgia he's fucking up and libertarians thinking that they know um how to how to end a murder cult or or whatever the fuck they think I, they're retarded um the best thing that you can possibly do for liberty is to infiltrate every mechanism of a winning political ideology and just seep in and then have patience um have patience because it takes time to change minds Stop being so goddamn impatient where you think that you're so wonderful that everybody should agree with you uh, on the basis of you just existing. It's fucking embarrassing. Um, I, I don't, I just flat out don't think that libertarians understand how real life works and they get stuck in their little echo chambers just like anybody else. And I love them. God love them. But uh, they need to stop being so goddamn self-important. And that goes for Liberty Thoughts, Liberty Wiggers, Liberty Rappers, Liberty Podcasters. None of us are that important. Take yourself down a few notches and, uh, I don't know, get back to me in 20 years. So, yeah, I said something to that effect uh, last time, and I'm going to stick to it. Because uh, it's pretty fucking hella gay that everyone thinks that they have the answers. And um, you don't. You don't. You have good ideas. 
you have good ideas that you're echoing from other dead people that said that shit 70 years ago. Um, and I think it's quite embarrassing that that's the representation of libertarianism. Oh, I got everything figured out. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have fuck all figured out. You have some good ideas that you want to repeat. And I, 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 I agree with you. You should repeat them and you should have a podcast where you repeat them. Um, but stop acting like uh, any of us have any clue as to what the correct answer for whatever the fuck we're in right now is. It ain't libertarianism because look around, ain't nobody buying it other than the people that were already here before you got here. Um, I think it's, a, I, I don't think it's bad for libertarianism to have a bit of a harsh critique. And if that's too much for it to stand up to, then it's never going to win. So give it the harshest critique possible at all times. And if it can withstand it, then maybe it's worth pursuing. But if it can't no, withstand it, then it, it it's fucking worthless. You're 100% right. Like that's that's the reason I stayed out of like libertarianism for Yeah. Basically, from 2007 until 2020 is because, as far as I could tell, it was fucking useless. Mm -hmm. And if it weren't for the fact that the state of Indiana had a really good gubernatorial candidate in 2020, I probably would have continued to stay out of it. Yeah. But we had a really good governor candidate. And he was going up against a really bad Republican and an even worse Democrat. And so it felt like there was something legitimately there, especially when after like the first debate, he was hitting like 86% saying that he won. And after this, excuse me, after the second debate, he was still hitting upwards of 80% saying that he won. And it felt like, there was this legitimate possibility mm -hmm. that this, like, you know, completely outsider Repu or, uh, libertarian could could unseat a really bad Republican. And then at the end of the day, he got 13% of the vote. Woohoo! Which for a libertarian candidate is it's great, fucking it's, amazing. It's over 10 to 20 times what they are expected to get, and that's fine. My my whole fucking point is amazing is but, there's so many people making a life out of this shit, thinking that you know, if if you don't it, it's so easy to to hear this alternative message where you think, well, everybody should think like I do. And all it becomes is just a another method of what you left. And now all you're doing is getting a giant boner over people that are saying what you want to hear. But you look around and you're like, there's only like 4,000 of us in a state of like 17 million. Yeah, you're worthless. You're fucking worthless. Figure out a way to get your message over to those other people, a.k.a. relate to normies. And get out of this whole idea of like, oh, sports ball. Um, here's the thing. Sports ball is the most popular thing in America right now. 
figure out how to relate to normies using sports ball and get back to me. Like I said earlier, if you think that Mises and Hoppian or, or, or any of this other shit is so great, which I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm not an enemy here. Uh, I think though Bishop is the one that's actually doing the most work in this effort. But my point is, is if you think that these ideas are the greatest ideas that humanity should ever know about, stop keeping them to yourself. And the way that you stop keeping them to yourself is uh, give up libertarian podcast communities and go out there and be a normie. Go, go, go mention this shit to normies because as long as you stay in the same avenue where people already agree with you, you're not gaining shit. See, I can't do that because they actually pay me. I know. And you're a special case and I love what you do and you keep doing exactly what the fuck you're doing. I'm just keeping this up here because the people that are (laughs) self-loathing enough to wait three hours to be ridiculed (laughs) and be told you're doing it wrong... Who knows? Maybe they might have a little bit of fucking backbone behind them and actually change their fucking act. I mean, to be fair, it's uh like five days later and two hours later, uh, like five hours total before they get to this point of the. Oh, that's fine. It's it's two forty five real time local time here, Atlanta Eastern Standard Time. I'm still fucking hungover from the Bulldogs winning the Natty. Uh, for the first time in 41 years, so I honestly don't give a flying fuck about politics. However, um, I can't stop it saying that we've been doing it wrong. Look around you. Uh, do you have more liberty because of libertarianism? The answer is no. <laughs> You're doing it wrong then. So let's do something different. Let's. Let, I don't know. Fuck it, man. However we used to do it, Let's stop doing that shit and let's do something different. Just a wild fucking shot in the dark. Let's just, let's just give it another go that we haven't done before because what we've done before has got us this far. Are we libertarian? Very far. If we're being honest. Exactly. So even if we got everything we wanted, it's still, and, and here's the thing here, here, here's my whole point. Relate to normies. Listen to Kirby Smart talk about Nick Saban. Post-game conference that happened this morning. Kirby Smart, the coach of my Georgia Bulldogs, now has the biggest task in front of him. And the biggest task was not winning the national championship. It's what do you do now that you've won it? How do you... Now, he's actually went out and found himself. How do you not himself. become Auburn? How do you not become Auburn? Now, he went out and actually found success, which is what libertarians are very unfamiliar with. How he's do not, you not become Auburn? He's not only telling you what it's like to win, but he's telling you what it's like to continue to win. And if you want something that's a little more outdated, go listen to Nick Saban and every fucking post-game speech he's ever had. The, the blueprint is there. You just got to get the fuck out of your political mindset way. Like life is not about, Oh dude, have, have you ever heard of Jeremy Tucker? Uh, yeah. Bow tie, man. You know about the Mises Institute? They got all the answers, man. Uh, you know about Scott Horton or, uh, 
you know, hop. Um, dude, I'm telling you, we are, we are going to figure out. Here's the thing. Normies don't give a flying fuck. They don't know what you're talking about. Stop being the smartest guy in the room. Be the most fucking regular guy in the room with the best ideas. Try that on for size. Stop being so fucking smart you're autistically repulsive and get more fucking people on your side and maybe we can make a change. I don't know. I know that that is like kryptonite to the libertarian uh, market, Justin, so I understand if you never want me on your show again, but I can't fucking take all these goddamn retards thinking that they know better than the normies that they're trying to influence. Stop being so smart that normies don't know who the fuck you are. It's simple. It's the simplest thing ever. Just stop being weird. See, <laughs> Go out there and get some ass. That's interesting because that's like, I'm sure you, you follow him and see it. Like when Ace starts on his incessant quote, t- quote tweeting tirades. They're, going they're, against these people. They're like, wonderful escapades and principal principalitarianism. But you know what? They're drying up vaginas every word. Fucking useless. Yeah. Who fucking gives a flying fuck? Like every I, time I, I see l- one of every time I see one of those, I'm just like, there is a zero percent chance I give a single solitary fuck yeah. about anything that's going on here. I'm not above this loving is, this the people not... that are in this environment. I love Ace. I love El Popo. I love Timeline Earth. I love I love all the retards that don't know they're not doing anything. But when I see that, my immediate reaction is there is no possible good that comes from this. Yeah. Nobody no one gives is, a fuck. Nobody is looking at this and thinking, oh, you're making rational, reasonable thoughts and well he did have a 12 hour bring me over to <laughs> believing what you were saying nah bro he had a 12 hour fucking diatribe it's libertarianism for all after that i no already gives a fuck. I, al- I already believe what you're saying and i don't want anything to fucking do with it yeah no you're nobody fucking who, you're you're making things creepy outside looking in is going to see that and think oh this is this is the place for me. I've been missing. I've been missing out on this. Yeah, we didn't get but at here. the same time. Nobody is looking at uh, Sarah and Ashton Birdie and any of the the Liberty thoughts yeah. and and saying, "Oh my God, this is what I've been missing in my life. I want to go get a part of this." It's simple like, as fuck, man. It's like, look, I'm gonna be at a national championship parade on Saturday. There's going to be millions of people there, or at least hundreds of thousands. I'm going to go engage with normies who don't give a flying fuck and have never heard of who the fuck Hans Hermann Hoppe is. Um, And all of those people have likely voted against my own interest. And I'm going to go engage with them. And I'm going to find a relatable event that I will become their family member for that moment in time. And it will not come because of a political affiliation. Now, my political affiliation will be there to answer follow-up questions, uh, to maybe get them to think a little different, 
But if that's your entire life, you're missing the point of life. To me, the point of life is to be a good steward to other individuals that are trying to figure out this fucked up thing that we all know that is life. Politics is something that man created. Fuck that. If you want the desirable outcome that lives within politics, become a better person. Figure out how to relate to people. Go out there in normal settings where other people that don't know what the fuck you're talking about are interested to hear about what you're talking about. So I will be doing my part this Saturday by going to Athens, Georgia, and hopefully I'll meet Tho Bishop. That would be a highlight for me. Tho, if you're hearing this, get your fucking ass out to Athens. Let's ring the boys in uh, the way that they should be, and that is with a goddamn go dogs and I, I don't know why this is so difficult for fucking libertarians they'd rather show their ass and get upset when people call them out for being fucking hoes um it's low effort shit you should be better than that i don't care what your ass looks like the internet exists i can find fifty-five thousand different asses that look just like yours uh be better, better than that i i Dude, if I don't stop, I'm just gonna keep. I'm I'm just gonna keep going. So, so it's really stop cute me. that you were post or that you were pitching something on Saturday, and when when uh, this one will release until Monday. But I appreciate the effort, and uh, though if you hear this after the fact, I don't know. Though is my homeboy. Um, he's a he's a damn good dog, and that's all he knows what that means. I don't know that he actually listens to this, uh, but it would be cool if he did. I'll clip it so and I'll send it directly to, this, to him and be like, a, uh, leave us like, a five star review and a comment oh, on Apple Podcasts or on YouTube. Jim's going to put on a helmet and uh, really send this out on the right foot. Give us like a, a, a yell, Jim. Like, really, really sell the, no. the bulldog. I don't think that's going to work. This is the moment those are gonna watch. We're gonna clip this and we're gonna send it to him, and I'm gonna let him know. What up, though? Love you, bro. You're a damn good dog. You were up in Indy. Now it's time to bring the dogs home the right way in Athens on Saturday. I'll see you, motherfucker. Go down. <laughs> that was impressive. All right. <laughs> Goddamn right. And for anybody who's actually watching this on Monday, I will be back on Tuesday night with a Mystery Theater 3000, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 edition of reviewing the Minority Report with the Liberty Dad and Mark Metz. So hopefully you enjoy that episode and uh, go check out Ignore the Rant and uh, Civil Discord and Whiskey and Tea with C.D. McRae. Although she wasn't on this portion of the uh, of the podcast, but whatever, you should still go check her out as well. And hopefully, you have a great rest of your day. Check us out on Tuesday evening, live stream reviewing Minority Report. Have a good one.